Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And we're in a series called Toxic. And today we're going to talk about something that is probably one that is easy to go. It's not a big deal, but it is. And that is our words. Our words can be toxic. And so to kind of set it up to show you how toxic words are, I thought to myself, and I thought to myself, who is the most toxic person I know? I'm just playing. <laughs> but um, Alan Verostic is going to come, and he's going to share. Um, and what have y'all been calling him? Uh, toxic Verostic? Is that what you said, Alan? <laughs> and if you've heard his jokes, they are toxic. He, he's, and he said, no jokes today, but he told me a joke. He's like, you know, Southwest Airlines say bags fly for free, and I'll let you figure out what he said, but it was absolutely horrible, and your wife almost killed you over that, so go ahead. You all enjoying this series? Awesome series, right? John asked me to share this little short little tale with you. This is, and some of you may have, somebody in here may have heard, this is the parable of the man and the old hot dog, old hot dog cart. There was a man that got a hot dog cart, and he went out on the street And he started to sell hot dogs from his vendor stand. And he sold very good hot dogs. And word caught on, and his business expanded, and he bought more inventory, and he bought a bigger stove to handle all of his customers. And he would stand on the corner, and he would shout out, Mr., buy a hot dog. And they would all come, and they would buy a hot dog. And his business just grew and grew and grew. And one day, one day as great as it was, his son came home from college to help him. And then something happened. And his son, having been to college, looked at everything that was going on, and he said, Dad, haven't you been reading the newspapers? Don't you watch the news? We're in a horrible recession right now. The economy is terrible. He said, you can't be doing this stuff. And the father thought, my son, he's been away to college. He reads the newspapers. He listens to the news. He must know. So the father cut back on his inventory. He bought a cheaper product, and he ceased going out on the street, hollering out to the customers as they walked by. And almost within a short month, his business just collapsed. And he said to his son, he said to his son, he said, son, you're absolutely right. We're in horrible times right now. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. <laughs> so hopefully you got that. Words can be toxic. They can define people. Where, where you don't think that it's that important, you could tell somebody something. And I remember there was a test done on some kids a while back. And what they did was is it was kind of a placebo test. If you know what that means, it's like, you know, if you give somebody a placebo, it's like a sugar pill. And then the, just the thought of it makes some people well. I don't know if you know that, but it actually has a placebo effect. And so they did this with a group of kids. And what they did was is they gave them a test, and, it, and they really didn't rate them by the test. What they said was, we're going to give you a test and analyze who's smart and who's not. And what what it told them was they said, now you guys are the top 10% in the class, and you guys are the bottom 10%, and the rest of you guys are average. And what they found was most of the time the kids lived up to whatever they told them. Does that make sense? It's true. That there's power in just a thought. There's power in just a word. Now, that doesn't always hold true, but here's what I know. When it comes to words, we, we have believed some lies about it to say words just aren't that important. Now, before we get into it, okay, so, so here's how I believe this works. I don't know if you believe in Satan. I do. 
and I believe that he spreads his propaganda to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. And, and one of the things that he does with this is to say words just are not that important. And, and here's how I know that's true, because we grew up, maybe you did this way, that if somebody said something that hurt your feelings or they said something that was hurtful, then what did you say? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but half the people were waiting. That's fine. So I don't know what, I don't know what the rest of your kids learned when you were kids. But, okay. so, but, but for me, you, know, you kind of learn that, and you go, hey, that, you know, and, and there's a little bit of truth. Here's what I know about Satan. There's a little bit of truth in what he says, right? I mean, there really is, because there's a little bit of truth in that, to say, I don't want you to be so sensitive, right? I mean, because i got to tell you, there's another message series coming, and it's called Build a Bridge and Get Over It, right? Stop being offended by, you know, what am I going to be you know, like somebody put it on Facebook the other week. What am I going to be offended by today? You know what I mean? And so you're like, hey, just build a bridge and get over that stuff. And so there's a little bit of truth to that saying, don't let words, don't take this to the extreme. And, and so I don't want to go to that side of the pendulum. But the problem is, is that with a little bit of truth, what he's done is he swung it way over here to say, you know what? Words aren't important at all. And the truth is, is some of us have been defined by words in our head. Some of us have been defined by what people have said. Some of us are defined by some words that we have said. Some of us are, are defining other people. And here's what I know, hurting people hurt people, people that have been abused. And, and I got to tell you, here's how I know that it's a lie because I got a friend of mine, we're accountability partners, and he's 70-some he's years old. And uh, we've been accountability partners for a while. And I remember we were in a promise keeper group, and he said in the group, he was like, I don't know what everybody's getting so offended about. They're all just too sensitive. And then he repeated something his dad said, when he was 10 years old. Now, this guy at the time was like 67 years old. And I said, let me ask you a question. What, what did you just say? You said it doesn't bother you? And, and you remember something he said 57 years ago verbatim? I would say that's pretty important. You, you didn't remember what your wife said 10 minutes ago, right? I mean, and it's true. It went right over his head. It, but, but something 57 years, and I go, you've been holding on to that for 57 years saying it doesn't bother me. Yet it's defining his life because words are important. Words are more important than we think. Um, here's what the Bible has to say, just so you know, that the Word of God teaches how important words are. Proverbs chapter 18, this is in your outlines if you want to follow along or in your notes. And I give you the notes just so you can go home later and look it up and read it in context. Make sure, hey, is this what the Scripture's saying? Proverbs 18 verse 21, it says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. It's saying that the tongue will produce a fruit. It's saying that in your mouth... In your words, you have the ability, both life and death. And some of us understand it. Because while sticks and stones can break our bones, bones can heal. But some people have been defined by words for decades. Some people are defined by words for a lifetime. And words have the ability to free you. And words have the ability to chain you up and make you a slave. Is that true? It is. People can be defined by what is said. And the Bible is saying, hey, there is extreme value in it. There is some horrible things that can happen through words. We're in a series called Toxic. In fact, the Bible is saying it's not just a little bit bad. Words can be absolutely toxic. And what Satan wants to go is, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about this. But the truth is, it's affecting our lives in ways that you can't even imagine. So so toxic words, toxic simply means this. Um, We've been covering it the whole series, so I've hopefully memorize it. <laughs> Toxic is any material that c- it contains poisonous material that's capable of causing sickness and or death. Anything that contains poisonous material that's capable of causing sickness and or death. So in this series, we've covered things like your thoughts can be toxic. 
Your influences in your life can be toxic. So many things we let in that goes, hey, these are toxic. People can be toxic. If you missed any of that, we got them all posted on our uh, YouTube site, newbranch.tv. And you can watch them or pick up CDs and listen to them. And I recommend that you do. But, but this one is going to be easy to toss off and go, well, words, we can just change that. But, but it's so important that you don't just do that because words can be powerful. And while they can be toxic, they can also be life-giving. They can give life or they can take it away. They can bless you or they can curse you. Let me give you a couple other scriptures from Proverbs. Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of a reckless pierce like swords. Now, some of us understand that. Maybe you've been reckless with words and you understand that. Where it's like, I wasn't even thinking that would be such a big deal. Or you make a comment or you make fun of somebody or you say something and you think it's funny or whatever. And then later on, that person, 10 years later, comes back and says, when you said that, you ever had somebody say that? When you said that in that message, Pastor John, I'm going, that wasn't even me. That was Jim Wall. You know? and, uh, and so, but, but it affected me in a way you can't even imagine. I got to say, reckless words can pierce. And, and sometimes as children, some people have been defined by reckless words where it's like, you can't do this or you can't do that or you're always going to be like this. And they're not even paying attention. Maybe that's not even what they meant. Or I wanted to toughen them up or I want to do whatever. And it's like these words are piercing the person's life. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. It, it, this, this actually has to do with saying, pay attention to your words, <laughs> because your words have so much power in them. Proverbs fifteen four says this, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but the perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I can't tell you how many spirits have been crushed. We talked about toxic people last week, and we said some people are so critical. You know, it's kind of where dreams go to die. You know, everybody's on board. Everybody's excited. Somebody's starting to dream, and then you got that one person. And I'm not talking about constructive. I'm not talking about telling you things you don't want to hear, because that's not what we're talking about. We're not just saying that it's just about flattering and telling people lies. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that, that there's some people that they just feel like criticism is their gift, right? And they just go there to crush your dreams. And he's saying that's how powerful it can be. But the soothing tongue is like a tree of life. It can, it can help. It can kind of prune. It can make things grow. It can help people realize you could reach a more full potential because somebody spoke a word of life into you. And, um, and that's really what we want to talk about here, that, that we want to say, hey, how do we become life-giving with our words versus killing people with our words? Anybody, anybody have that? Anybody would like to have this seminar at your work? <laughs> so somebody might learn that. That's so critical. So here's what I want to do in the time that we have. Three words of wisdom, okay? Three words of wisdom. And I want to be careful because this is not one of those, and we have some of those where it's like, hey, these points stand alone, okay? This is actually one point, but it has three major headings, and it kind of flows together. And if you don't get... One of these, right, the rest of it's not going to work. So don't think, I'm going to work on this, but not this. It doesn't work that way, okay? You have to do all three of these in concert to have the life that God wants you to have. Or you won't be bringing life. You you won't be bringing good things to people. You won't have a positive impact on this world. You won't be able to build God's kingdom. You will actually tear it down. So so let me tell you what these words are, okay? Things you got to do. Words of wisdom. Number one, guard your heart against toxic words. Guard your heart against toxic words. Now, this might seem strange because we could say, I thought we were talking about words, not in my heart. But what you're going to find is this, is that these two things are linked. What comes out of your mouth is coming from what's inside you. Now, Jesus understood it. He, he taught so many times on it where he would look at the Pharisees and he's like, what's going on with you guys, <laughs> what's going on with you guys is what's happening inside. We'll get, we'll get to that in just a minute. 
So what I want to do is I want to go back to the book of Proverbs. And who wrote the book of Proverbs? I've given you a lot of verses from Proverbs. Who wrote the book of Proverbs is Solomon. Solomon was the richest, wisest man who ever lived. And so God inspired him to write the book of Proverbs. And he's giving wisdom to his son. And he's saying, hey, if you want to know what's important in life, I've got to kind of help you with something. You've got to grasp this concept or you're not going to be successful. If you grasp this concept, you're going to be very successful. So pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. In fact, that's what he says. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, he says, My son, pay attention to what I say. I think this is important. When you see words like this in the Bible, that means pay attention, okay? I mean, it's that easy. And, and I think there's actually probably an entire sermon right here with just going, pay attention to what has your attention. Because so many people are not paying attention to what's going on around them, and the awareness of it is going to bring tremendous amount of understanding. So, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. And I think what he's saying is there's a lot of other toxins in life that are going to keep you from hearing what I'm going to say. And this is not mainstream. Most people are not doing this. They're going along life like lemons going over the cliff. And I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to teach you. And we'll skip down to verse 23. You can go back and read all the rest of it for yourself. But here's what he says. Above all else... Now, when you see words like that, you want to take note. When you see above all else, if you had somebody that was very successful here and they said, let me tell you the one thing that made me successful. Would you pay attention? These are the kind of things you want to write down. This is the kind of thing you want to write down. When Jesus says, truly, I tell you. When God in the flesh says, truly, I tell you, it's saying, hey, the one thing you got to know, here it is. And this is what this is the kind of thought here, okay? Above all else, guard your mouth. No, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, this is a hard concept because what he's teaching here is this your mouth isn't the problem. This is so tough. Your language isn't the problem. Now, you know, a lot of people think they do. Your heart is the problem. Now, now this is full circle. This is why I mentioned all the other things we covered in this series. Because language is an indicator of what's going on inside. So we talked about toxic thoughts. We talked about toxic influences. We talked about toxic people. But the truth is, where it comes from is inside your heart. Now, nobody likes this, okay? Because that's tough. It's like, no, no, I just, I just say that. But no, if you have a problem saying critical things, guess what? You, you got a critical heart, <laughs> That's where it comes from. You, you got a problem being negative. It comes from inside you. When, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, you know what he said to them? He said, let me, let me tell you what you guys' problems are. You have cleaned the outside of your glass. Now, you can disguise this for a while, by the way. You know, he said, he said, you guys, it's like you clean the outside, but on the inside are dead man's bones. And in another place, he says, you're whitewashed scepters. You know what you are? You are like a coffin, and inside you are dead people. It's like we went out to the graveyard, we dug something up, and we said, hey, you know what we're going to do? Now we're going to see what you're really about. And he opened it up, and it's dead. Ooh, God, night. nobody wants to see that. And, um, and that's what he's saying to them. That's what he's saying to us. He's saying, hey, guard your heart. Because what's flowing out of it is so important. Now, not only for what you say, because this is what we want to do. What he's saying is, the reason you're toxic is you're letting other people's toxins inside of you. And he's going, don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to what I'm saying so it can be redefined. So you're not a slave anymore to those thoughts. You're not a slave anymore to those words. 
Because some people, here's the problem, and maybe, maybe this is you. Some people have an internal monologue that plays over and over and over in their head. And they think to themselves, I can never be free. Now, they don't really say that, but it's somebody inside saying, you can't. You can't do this. You can't be forgiven. You can't go here. You can't do what God is calling you to do. And it's toxic words inside your mind. And some of those people aren't even with us anymore. Sometimes those people are dead and gone, and yet they're reaching beyond the grave. This is how powerful words are, if you didn't know. And they're going, somebody told me that, or somebody abused me, and it's going off in my head over and over and over. And by the way, here's how it works. It affects your heart, and now it affects how you treat other people too. Did you know that? And hurting people hurt people, and abused people. Let me ask the parents in the room. How many people said, my parents said it like this. I remember I used to say that, you know. I'll never say that like that. I'm never going to be like that when I'm a parent, right? And then you get a kid, and you got the same scenario as your parents, and all of a sudden it's like, I sound just like him. I am my father. You know what I mean? It's like, what is going on? How did this happen? And you're like, why would I, you know, and you're like, and then, and then you start being a lot more forgiving of them later, right? It's like, oh, and now I know why they were like that, because, you know, these kids are so irritating. Was I like that? You know, that kind of thing. And so, so you're like, yeah, but, but you're like, man, I can't understand how that happened. Well, how? Because you got this internal monologue that says, I have to be this way. And what Solomon is teaching is, he's saying, guard your heart, because everything else flows out of it. You know, Jesus said that. He said, what's inside will show up outside. Remember when he said that in Matthew? I don't know if you remember the verse. Maybe you can try to find it later. I don't know where it is. Maybe Matthew 23. <laughs> Probably shouldn't use examples. I don't know. But, but, but what he said was, he said, out of the heart comes adultery. Out of the heart comes murder. Out of the ad- heart comes all these things. And people go, no, no, no. And my mind, not my heart. That's not how I really feel. But he's like, no, it's coming from your heart. And here's what he teaches. And this is what he was t- saying about the Pharisees. And this is why this is so important. Because he's saying, You cannot outpace your heart for long. And people can't do it. You got heart problems. You might have the best physique, but if you don't take care of your heart, you're going to die. You get it? Let me tell you something. In your life, you you can disguise your behaviors. And this is what was going on with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had disguised their behaviors. You can. You can change your language. You can change your language, but not really mean it. But what he's saying is, eventually, it's going to come out of your mouth. And when your mouth catches up with your heart, can I just tell you, it's going to be a bad day, right? Anybody had that day? <laughs> On the way to church this morning? <laughs> Some of us have, right? Yeah. And, and you're going, where did that come from? Now, we all have problems. We all have flyers. I'm not talking about that. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. When you shoot, I don't know how many people are shooters in here. I'm not trying to get you to be a gun activist or anything. Maybe. And, uh, but anyway, when you shoot, okay, <laughs> when you shoot, here's what you know about shooting, okay? You look for groupings. This is, how, this is how you target. So one person hits the bullseye, and they're like, oh, wow, that's great. Next time they shoot it, they shoot way over here. And you're like, whoa, you're all over the place. And everybody starts off that way. But eventually, you start to group them, right? And hopefully, you're grouping them in the middle. Or you're grouping them up here. It doesn't matter where you group them. But if you're grouping them, you can figure something out. Now, everybody gets a flyer. I don't know if you know what that means. But if you're using cheap ammo or whatever, you'll get one that flies off to the side. That's a flyer, all right? And, and you go, I'm not going to adjust over that. But if you do this, here's what's not a flyer, because a lot of people say, oh, that's just a flyer. I'm sorry, you grouped a flyer over here. What's up? I mean, you're shooting everything to the right. What's up with that? That's not a flyer. That's coming out of you. Get it? That's a problem. That's internal. You've got to change something. And so what you're doing here is you're looking at your words and you're going, wait a minute, what do they indicate about my heart? 
And they're all being grouped over here. You're negative. You got a negative language. You get it? And he's saying, hey, you want to guard your heart, you got to change not just your language, you got to change inside. Is that being grouped over here? Now you understand why controlling your thoughts is going to be important. Controlling the people and the influences in your life are going to be so important because it all flows together and the language is just an indicator. We all have flyers, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is pay attention to where things are being grouped. Okay, so here's the thing, guys. Guard your heart. Guard your heart against toxic words. Don't let them define you. God wants to do a work in you. Okay, number two. Number two, this is another word of wisdom. So first, guard your heart against toxic words. Number two, every chance you get, speak life-giving words, okay? Speak life-giving words to others every single chance you get. How many people need more criticism in their life? When you go to work tomorrow, you go, you know what I need, boss? I need more criticism. Could you just criticize me? <laughs> Sometimes I think people think that when I stand up here and preach. You know what I want? I really want you guys just to tell me everything you're thinking. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Write that on your connection card. Tell me all the bad things about me. No, 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 nobody wants that. Write me. How many people could say, you know what I really need? I really need an encouraging word. How many people would like that more? All right? Yeah. I remember reading the One Minute Manager, and one of the things it taught in there was it said, you know, most people don't know if they're doing a good job. And the only way they know if they're doing a good job, you want to know how they know? is that the boss isn't mad. So you walk on the eggshells around the boss, and, and they're never accomplishing the mission of the organization because they have no idea what's good because they're never rewarded for good behavior. Now, this is how it works with a lot of people. And I'm only telling you that because here's what I see. I see a lot of people that go, I'm only going to tell you when you do something wrong. Now, I don't know where that comes from. Oh, I can t- probably tell you where it comes from. I believe it's Satan's greatest tool because what he wants to do is, is, yeah, you're getting the criticism and criticism doesn't nearly do as much as you think it will. But encouragement can make all the difference in the world. I'll give you an example of a story that I heard once and I don't really like the story because of the sports team. I probably should have just changed the sports team because you guys don't know. But anyway, a kid like the New York Yankees, don't have any clue why, but okay. You take it for what it is. <laughs> and so he goes to the, to the stadium, and he sees this ball player, and the ball player is being interviewed. And as he's listening, he hears the guy say in the interview, the guy says, what made all the difference to you, son? You know, this guy. And the guy said, well, I had a dad that just believed in me. And all my whole life he encouraged me. He said, you can play professional ball. I believe in you. He went to all my games when nobody else believed in me. He did. And that's why I'm here today, and I'm the, one of the greatest ball players. And it all really has to do with my dad because he encouraged me. And this guy had tremendous ability you know, but, but this guy encouraged him. And there was a guy out there cutting grass that was on work release from prison. And he's like, you know what? That's the same thing for me. My, that, that, that the guy playing baseball said that my dad constantly encouraged me and he always told me I'd be here. And the guy cutting grass and it's on work release, he said, my dad always told me I would be here. He always told me I was no good. He always told me you're going to end up in jail. <laughs> I tell you how powerful words are. Now, it doesn't have to be a dad. Some of us don't have dads, and some of us have some really bad dad stories. I got it. I had a good dad, and that was a little different. But for those of you that didn't, it could be somebody else. I'm not trying to put that there. But when you go, hey, where were you successful? Somebody believed. Somebody said something. Somebody encouraged. And encouragement goes so much further. Here's what the Word of God says on it. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Can I tell you that words are important? This isn't me. This is the word of God. And as you start to look, you will see this over and over and over. It's saying being intentional, paying attention to what words we're allowing to come out. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but 
only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, I want to pause there. According to their needs, not your feelings. Just saying. That's, that's, just, I didn't want you to read into that. Only share what's helpful for their needs that it may benefit those who listen. You know what it's saying? Your words should be beneficial. I got to teach something in the church because here's where we go wrong. See, most of us kind of understand it a little bit. Like if I were to come up and somebody suffers with profanity, okay? And there's, I don't want you to raise your hand, okay? I know you. Gotcha. <laughs> Some of you guys are in the service, military and Navy and stuff. Most people would not defend their profanity. They're not going to come up and say, oh, I really think God wants me to use profanity. No. But let me tell you where I think we struggle the most with this. It's mostly in religious circles. <laughs> and here's how it goes. If it's true, then I need to say it. And can I tell you, that is not, that is not the prerequisite for what comes out of your mouth. Not all truth needs to be shared. Now, there's some people that go like this. I'm going to tell the truth no matter what it is, and we'll just let the chips fall where they do. Can I tell you something? That's a lie from hell. <laughs> just, if I were to be real honest, that's what Jesus, wait a minute, James said it. So just so you don't think I'm over-exaggerating. James said, the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. And not all truth needs to be shared. Now, you don't believe that. Then let me tell you what the greatest sin is that's compared to witchcraft and adultery and all the other sins. You know what it is? One of the greatest sins. It's gossip. It is. And you know what it does to a church? It's Satan's greatest tool. And, and you know when you use it? At the worst possible time, Satan has stolen from us the greatest tool that we have, which is prayer. And what we gossip the most is at prayer time. Oh, I want to tell you about sister so-and-so. You know, we, you know what she did? You know what they did? You know about them? You know? What in the world? You don't share everything. And it means you have to be intentional. Not just what you feel should come out of your mouth, but is it helpful? Is it beneficial? And if it's not... You want to say it or me? Shut up, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm sorry. That's the most spiritual thing I can say. Shut up. And it's the hardest thing. I didn't say this was going to be easy because it's not easy for me. You see something, and I'm a talker by nature, and I'm a verbal processor by nature, and you just let it come out. And we're all going to mess up with it. But we got to pay attention because here's the problem. We think that just because it's true, it's okay. But the problem is we're devastating lives, and people are coming back 10, 15, 20 years later going, when you said that, I never thought I could do it again. You crippled me. You, you are using your words recklessly. You know, you know what it says in James? It says, the tongue is like a fire, and it will burn everything around you down. Pay attention to your words. So, so here's a good rule of thumb for you, okay? Good rule just to follow. Every time you think something good, go ahead and share it, okay? Every time you feel the need to go, you know what? Not false. Please don't do that, okay? We're not talking. It is not helpful to falsely flatter someone. That's wrong, it's sinful, it's not even helpful. But every time you think something good, every time you have an encouraging word, trust me, people do not get barely enough encouragement, okay? Every time you think something good, go ahead and share it. You think somebody did a good job, share it. You might be wrong some of the time, that's okay. You know what, I've never had anybody say, you know what my problem is in life? Somebody just encouraged me too much. (laughs) Right? When's the last time you got that, right? I mean, now I understand you're telling your kids lies about themselves. You know what? You could be on American Idol. Please don't do that to them, right? I mean, don't tell them things that aren't true. I'm talking about truth, right? Somebody should have told them, you're not the greatest singer. You really aren't. You really shouldn't sing at all, right? You know? 
Maybe in heaven. I don't know, but that's not a joyful noise. Okay, so <laughs> you get the idea. No, you don't want that. So you go, hey, encourage them and share with them, but every chance you get, and go light on the criticism. I remember Stephen Covey said that. He's not a Christian, but, but it was a great book, The Eighth Habits of Highly Effective People. And he said, go heavy, heavy on the encouragement. Go light on the criticism. I don't remember it. Be a light, not a critic. Be a model, not a judge. And it will take you further than you'll ever want to go. And it will reproduce in people. I can tell you what it did in my life. The people that encouraged me that probably shouldn't, I lived up to their expectations. Can I tell you something? The people that didn't, all the critical words, it'll destroy you. And I'm not saying be too sensitive and there's something to get over that. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But be careful what you let out of your mouth because it will define, it will define you and other people too. Okay? So be careful. Be careful with it. Speak life-giving words over people. Here, here's what I know. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. If you've got a struggling relationship, you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling at your work, struggling with your kids, I can almost guarantee you've got toxic language that goes with it. Now, I'm not saying it's the cause of it, but it doesn't help it. Okay? Really. It, if you want to help overcome it, I've got to tell you, the first place you've got to start, and it's going to be hardest, because you're going to want, when it's toxic and somebody's coming at you with toxic, you're going to want to come back with toxic, and you're never going to end it. If you want to go to war, that's a great way to do it, okay? <laughs> you want to go to war, you know a great place to go? Stop negotiating. Stop, stop talking, and you'll find out really quickly. Start talking like this, and you're going to go to war. And you know what? Satan is having his greatest field day because he's going, keep talking. Keep saying all that toxic stuff. And it makes it worse and worse and worse. And he is laughing his way all the way to people just destroying lives. Okay? So pay attention to this. Don't do that. Be helpful. Pull yourself out. Get some encouraging people. We talked about that in the rest of the series. Go back and listen because there's so many other concepts that I can't cover today. So you guys need to listen a little faster. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> I'm ready for at least. All right. Matthew. <laughs> okay. So the, the last concept is this. This is the most controversial one in the whole thing. In fact, I thought about leaving it out <laughs> because I could offend. And I'm, I'm good with that, okay? The reason I want to share it is not to needlessly offend or not to taint you to get you to be my theological persuasion or whatever else. But I want to share it because here's the problem. The pendulum is swinging way over here or way over here. And the problem is, is when it swings way over here, we got people believing things that are not true. And, and they're devastated when they find out their faith is, is, is based on fairy tale. On the other side, we got people that don't believe in faith at all. Okay? And you're probably going, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm going to share a verse, and most people are going to, you'll know what side of the pendulum are. You're going, oh, I know that one, and that's really what we need. And then the other people are going to say, I don't even believe in that verse anymore because it's been so abused. And I want to I say, Satan is having a good time with this, and God wants to say, if you grasp this, it could change your life. And that's why it's so important that we address it, okay? So I'm just going to say the concept, and then you guys can, can follow with me or not, okay? Speak life-giving words, okay? We talked about to other people. But speak life-giving words to yourself and to your circumstances. Life-giving words. Now, let me explain what I mean by life-giving. I went, I, I went to a Bible college called Word of Life Bible Institute. I did not graduate. That's a story for another time. <laughs> but a great university, great Bible institute, still there. And, and what they taught me was this, and you can write this reference down if you want. Philippians 2.16. And in Philippians 2.16, it says, holding forth the word of life. Okay? So when I say speaking life-giving words, I don't mean something you come up with yourself. I mean the word of God over your life will change everything. 
Here's what it doesn't mean, and I want to go there first because some people are going to struggle because as soon as you start hearing this, you're going to go, I've heard that, and that's bad. That's heresy. And there is some heresy that's going around. Let me tell you what it is, okay? On this, other, on this side of the pendulum, there's people that believe in faith, but they don't believe in faith in God. Here's where they believe. And if you've got to watch it. It's very slight. They believe in faith in their own faith. It's called word of faith theology. So I speak words filled with faith, and I speak into existence my own reality. And God has to do what I say when I speak faith-filled words. <laughs> now, this is going to be offensive, so just get ready. If you don't want to listen, close your ears. <laughs> That's heresy. Straight from the pit of hell. It could, not, it could not be more damaging because it's not true. God has no limits. He doesn't need our words. Okay? God has no limits on earth or anywhere else. He is sovereign and completely sovereign. And our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in our words. Our faith is not making God do something. And even if you tag it with special phrases, it sounds funny when we say it that way, but when I say the phrases, you'll understand. If I say in the name of Jesus, God is not demanded to do something as if he was a magician. And I just got to say it because some people's faith is being rocked because they said, but I said in the name of Jesus. So you know what that means? Somebody didn't get well. So that means I don't have enough faith. So let me just dispel that myth. Can I tell you what the death rate is on the planet? It's one per person. You can write it down if you want. Okay, this is a statistic. It's really a good statistic. The death rate's one per person and we will all make it. So either you lose faith and God doesn't always heal or you can't just speak it over. God is not a magician. Okay, that's not how it works. And I just wanted to be clear, and some of you might be offended by that, but I want you to take it in because here's the thing. What God wants to give you is far better than that. God has a plan better than we can dream or think or ask, and it's not our plan. It's not us telling him what to do. It's us submitting to what he wants to do. And when you understand it, it will speak life-giving words in your circumstances, not only for this world, but also for the one to come, and it will change everything. All right, so that's on the one side of believing, hey, I got all this control and God's my genie. That's not true. It's false. It's dangerous. On the other side is this thing that goes, God doesn't do miracles anymore because those people abuse it. Now, I don't believe God can even do anything. And I don't believe that, that it's worth even speaking words of faith, words of life into my life and into my circumstances. And it is so damaging to us that we have Christians that have no faith and God isn't showing up because he's going, you don't have any faith. And the book of James says it. You know what he says in James? He says, you don't have because you don't ask. And even when you do ask, you don't have because you don't believe. So let me tell you what Jesus says, because maybe you're struggling here. I'm not picking on you. I want you to grasp it, because when you get this, it could change your life forever. Okay. Jesus taught this, Mark chapter 11. I could have picked many verses, but this is a good one. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. He says this, truly I tell you. Did I tell you about that? When Jesus says, truly I tell you, pay attention. (laughs) When, When the Son of God says, pay attention, pay attention, okay. If anyone says to this mountain, now, circle that word says. He's talking about words. There's a reason for this. If anyone says to this mountain, now, God, when he created the universe, I don't know if you knew this, but he could have done it any way he chose. He didn't have to do it. He's God. He could think it, and it could happen. He could click his fingers, and it could happen. He could, whatever he wanted to do. But what he chose to do, you know what he did? He spoke, and the world came into existence. That's important. And here has the same concept. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and, it, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes 
that what he says will happen, it will be done for them. Now, I've already dispelled of what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean you come along and you're walking through the Blue Ridge Mountains and maybe you're Frenchy. I don't think he's still here, so that's good. So Frenchy's walking through the Blue Ridge Mountains. He's going, you know what? I'm getting a little bit old. Okay. <laughs> he's not. He's, he, he's, he, he's a much better hiker than me. That was very toxic. I shouldn't have said that. So you guys call me on that. <laughs> toxic words, man. But he goes, I'm getting a little bit old. I don't feel like going up to priest today. Move that mountain. No, that's not what it means. And some people think that. God will supply all my greeds according to my, no, it's not true. I will supply all your needs. And here's what you need. This is what this verse is talking about. Let me explain what it's talking about. It's talking about when you're going along in life and you tell me if this has happened to you. And you walk up and you turn the corner of life and all of a sudden there's a bend in the road. And when you turn that bend, you're like, it's a mountain. And then you've climbed the foothills. I've had this happen in my life. You climb the foothills and go, I finally, I climbed this mountain, man. I'm really good. Only to look and realize you're, you're, at, you're, just, at the, you're just at the base. You're just, you're just at the beginning of Mount Everest. And you're going, this is impossible. And it demoralizes you in ways you can't even describe. You know what Jesus is saying? When you turn that corner in life and you see that mountain in front of you, here's what you do. Now, let me tell you what you don't do first, because here's what a lot of us do. And if this is you, join the club. I've done this. I still do it from time to time, because these mountains will shock the daylights out of you, won't they? You'll turn the corner of life, and you'll go, what is this? Here's what we want to do. We turn the corner, and we look at that mountain, and we go, God, do you know what this is? I can't climb that. Get it? You turn the corner in life, and you go, I don't, I don't know why you did this. Do you know how big of a deal this is? I'm so afraid because nobody can do that. I could fill the blanks in, but you guys probably have something going on in your head right now. Going, I don't, here's how we say it. Let me say it different. I don't know why you let this happen. You know what we're doing? We're continuing to tell. And God sent me here with a message today for you, okay? He, he said, I'm kind of tired of this, so here's what I want you to tell these people. I'm sorry. Here's how God sent the message to me. John, you need to change this, and I'm just conveying it to you because it hurt my feelings. Okay, so <laughs> he's saying, here's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of people coming to me to tell, them, tell me how big their mountain is. I am. I'm tired of it. Can I, can I let you know something from God? He says, I'm sovereign. By the way, I put the mountain there. <laughs> Ooh, You're going to have to square up with that on your own time. When you turn the mountain in life, and he goes, this mountain is here. I let that there. He didn't cause it. He doesn't cause sin. He doesn't cause bad things. But he allows it for a purpose. You don't believe that? Read. Read the book of Job. It will really help you with some of that thought process of God allowing things into our life and not explaining why. He's not going to. But here's what he's saying. Stop telling your mountain. Stop telling me how big your mountain is. Start telling your mountain how big your God is. See? You don't have because, one, you don't ask because you don't believe I can really do it. Oh, I see. You don't ask because you think you can do it. And you know what the mountain shows us? There ain't much you can do. <laughs> and the Bible teaches that, right? Remember when Jesus said, you're so afraid. You know why you're afraid? Because you can't even add a single inch to your height. <laughs> you know why you're afraid? Because you can't add a single second to your life. If you can't even do that, then why do you worry about all these other things? Seek first my kingdom, and I'll add all these other things to you as well. Say to your mountain, throw you into the sea, because there is a God that can do this. By the way, if you don't have a crisis, you know who the only people that can get a miracle is? People in a crisis. God never parted a Red Sea without the Egyptians coming after him. Get it? And by the way, he doesn't part the Red Sea first. (laughs) Now, this would be nice. 
God gave me the plan for what he's going to do. No, he doesn't. You know why? Because it's him that does it. So whatever your circumstance, now don't hear what I'm not saying. God is not a magician. He ain't going to just do it. We don't believe in God just because he makes our life better because sometimes it's not better. But you know what we got? We got something better than better. We got something better than better in this life. We got something better than this life. We got a God that will be with us no matter what. And in the day to come, he will always be with us. Hello, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And after that, God will be with them and be their God. He will be with you no matter what. And that's a promise beyond anything this life can offer. And it takes you above all circumstances. So, speak life-giving words into your life. Holding forth the word of life, replacing the lie of Satan in your monologue, whoever said whatever to you, replace it with what God is saying. Okay, i got to cover another verse, and I, and I want you guys to really grasp this one. Jesus, when he was, when he was, when he was teaching and, and doing miracles, he came alongside somebody, and he did this incredible miracle, and the Pharisees were watching. And finally, their mouth caught up with their heart. They had been abiding their tongue for so long because they didn't like Jesus. Now, they liked his crowd, but they didn't like him. They didn't like his package. And so they came alongside him and they said, you know why he does miracles? You know how he does miracles? By the power of Beelzebub. Now, they said it so everybody else wouldn't really understand what that meant because everybody's going, who is Beelzebub? Um, Beelzebub is Satan. He does his power by the power of the devil. He's filled with the devil. That's why he does all these good things. Now, can I tell you something? That sounds a lot like what I hear in churches. That's why I thought it was so great yesterday when all the churches come together to praise God and we don't care whose label's on it. Isn't that kind of nice for a change? Instead of, oh, you know what their problem is? They're growing because blah, right? And you know what's coming out? Envy. <laughs> Get it? That's what's coming out in the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, Really? You're saying, I do my power, I did these incredible miracles, I'm fulfilling scriptures, I'm holding forth the word of life, and you come at me with this, and here's what Jesus says to them, and it's a message to us. Matthew 12, verse 34. You brood of vipers. <laughs> He's a little upset. How can you, who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Does that come in full circle? why Solomon said, pay attention to your heart, because out of the bucket of your mouth, the heart speaks. You get it? Out of the bucket of your mouth, there's a well that it's digging from. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're evil, not because of what you said. (laughs) You're condemned, not just by what you said, but what's in here is being expressed here. Okay, you get the idea? Verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up for him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the good stored up for him. Verse 36, but I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment. Does that got your attention? On the day of judgment, could there be a scarier day when you stand before God to give an account for your life, when your life is worthwhile or not worthwhile? Now, being saved has everything to do with God's grace in Christ. I've had to really wrestle with this one because I go, wait a minute, we're saved in faith in Christ, so how does this apply? But it does apply, and it's so important to our lives. On the day of judgment, you will give an account for every empty word that you have spoken. Anybody a little nervous about that? (laughs) Just on the way to church today? (laughs) Yeah, like, ooh, wow, that's tough. Let me explain what that means. Let me explain what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that you will be raked on that in order to go to heaven. That's not what it means. What it means is this. What you say defines lives more than you'll ever know. 
What you say brings forth what's in your heart and it comes out of your mouth and it defines what people do. Now think about it for a Christian. What is the most important thing? In fact, look at the next verse. Verse 37. For by our words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. You telling me on a day of judgment I'll be condemned by what I said? Yeah, because you know why? Because your words are a reflection of what's in your heart. You know the verse, right? Where it says, if you believe with your, in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, right? You will be saved. Wait a minute, I said that backwards. I'm dyslexic. I am, but that's not really true. I always say that verse backwards. You know why? Because I want to say, you believe in your heart. And you confess with your mouth. You know what he's saying? You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. He didn't say that backwards. You know why? Because he's saying, you say it. And all of a sudden, it starts to speak into your life. And you're going, I believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Satan runs from those kinds of words. And all of a sudden, now I can believe in my heart. And it transforms me. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? You get it? I don't know. But I know they go together. Your words and your heart go together. You get it? And you will be what? You will be acquitted by the words, you, and you will be condemned by them. And let me tell you something. For the Christian that's saying, well, I don't have a problem here because i got a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, you do, right? Jesus died on the cross. I believe in Jesus died on the cross. That means I'm saved. You are saved. But if you're only thinking about yourself, that's fine. What he's saying here is on the day of judgment, when you come before God, what eternal reward will even matter? You know what it is? The only thing that will matter, not your pure life just so you can say, look at me, I'm so great. Nobody cares about that, right? I mean, because we're not that great. What we care about is the people we take with us when we go, right? The people that God's left a mission that we're allowed to reach while there's still time. And the only way that works, right, is when we can speak the word of life into this life. But you can't speak the word of life if it isn't in here. You get it? And if you're not guarding your heart, it won't be in here. Here's how it comes full circle. If it hasn't affected your heart, you can't speak it out of your mouth. Now, you can fool them long enough, right? But one day, your mouth will catch up with your heart, and that will be a bad day. And not just for you, because maybe you make it to glory. But on the other side of the line are people you didn't minister to, because out of your mouth, nothing good came out, because you're not speaking the word of life. You, get a, you understand why it's so important now? It's so critically important, and Satan wants to say it's not important. And Jesus is saying, you have the ability to be acquitted or to be condemned. And you have the ability to help other people with that. Pay attention to what has your attention. Pay attention to your words. So so here's how I want to end it. Some of you are listening to an internal monologue that says, I can't. I can't be forgiven. I I can't tell you how many times here in this church. We're not a large church. And I could care less about that. You know, you know what our mission has always been? The one. The one lost person that comes. And I can't tell you about it. And God has blessed us by allowing us to reach out to that one. And you know what they come with? They say, I've heard this. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. God could never forgive me for the things I've done. When they're really honest about what's going through their head, they're going, God can't forgive me for... And, and I could share with you some things that would make your toes curl that they've done. And they come here broken and crying and going, God can't release me from my addiction. God can't release me from these horrible things that I've done with my life. (laughs) Some people come like me. They hate. They've had so many bad things that they hate other people. And they go, God could never release me from this hate. They could never release me from this anger. I could never forgive. Some people, it's whatever. 
I can't. I can't do it. I can't do what God's calling me to do. I can't. I just want to give you one verse. This is how, this is how you hold forth the word of life, just so you get an idea. Philippians 4.13 says this. I can. <laughs> Did you need to hear that? Now here's where it's different than word of faith theology, because they stop there. I can. If I do it, I can. No, no, not you. Pay attention to what he's saying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sorry, that's in King James. Excuse me. <laughs> I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You, you can read it in any version, but it still says the same thing. I can. Circle it. I can. You, you see, Satan's coming at you constantly saying, you can't. You can't be free. You can't do this. And the word of God that's coming at you in your time of need, you know that's what the sword of the Spirit means? There's two different words in the Bible. There's one for logos, which means the entirety of Scripture. And there's another word in the Bible that means rhema, word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit that we hold. And we hold up the Bible, but really it's the specific word of God. Here's what it's not. It's not your words made up. It's the word of life that comes to you, and it brings it back to your remembrance at your time of need. And right now, what he's saying to somebody in this room is, I can. You keep saying you can't. I can't do it. I can't get over my fear. I'm so afraid. I can't get through this circumstance. I can't, I can't, I can't. And you know what God's saying? Can. I can. With God, I can. I can be saved. Get it? Let me tell you how God works. You're an addict? I can. I don't have to be anymore. I don't have to be an addict. That's the first thing they teach you in AA. You know what they say? It's God that restores you back to sanity. Isn't that something? God. God is the only one that can. But God can. He can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You got a problem with drugs? He can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You got a problem with sin? He can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You got a problem with guilt? Let me tell you, Jesus says it over and over. I, don't, I didn't come to condemn you. Did you know that? I don't know who's telling you this stuff. Maybe it's the church. Next week's toxic religion. Come back. <laughs> he can. Okay? He can. You can be forgiven. You can overcome. You can. I don't know who told you that. I don't know what record players going off in your head. But you change the internal monologue. Why is that so important? Because until you do, you're toxic. And you're not speaking life-giving words. You might fake it, but one day it'll come out right. You get the idea? Replace it with God's truth. Charles Chappell showed me an app. It's very simple, but I, I'd like to ask you to do it. If you've got a smartphone, I'd ask you to download it. I did. I was so sick of Charles emailing me all these verses that he kept getting. <laughs> Him and Mary were going through a difficult time, and he kept sending me all these verses. I'm like, Charles, I don't have time to read all this. And um, <laughs> one verse a day. I'm, I'm playing with you, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> One ver- it's just one verse, and all it is, is you can go to Google uh, Play Store, and you just download it. It's free. It's called God's Promises. That's it. And every time you click on it, it gives you a promise. How many need that? And you start replacing the lie of Satan with God's truth. And now, all of a sudden, you get to hold forth the word of life. You get to speak the word of life into your life. What would that do? <laughs> Let's stand for prayer. Father, um, if there's ever anything that's convicted me, my words, (laughs) because I can't hide those from you or anybody else. But I know this, God, we are not who we say we are. We're who you say we are. (laughs) Somebody needed to hear that, Lord. I believe it. Maybe it's me. That we're not defined by what other people say we are. We're defined by what you say we are. 
And it's time we believed it. And, and Lord, I, I believe this is the lie that, that somebody's believing, is that it's not somebody else saying it to them. They're believing their own lie. And they're not even who they say they are. They're who you say they are. And we can be born again. I'm praying that all over this place, God. That somebody's struggling and their mouth is just an indicator. But I pray today, God, you release them in their heart. That if, Lord, if they would confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus, and they would believe in their heart that God has raised them from the dead, they would be saved. And they could be born again and they could have a new life in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? I pray for those of us that are crusty Christians, Lord. I pray that maybe we conceive of this, that maybe we're hiding behind all kinds of things and our toxic words are reflecting something going on internally. And I pray today, God, that you release us from it so that we can have the joy and the peace and the love of God and that we can spread the joy and the love of God that we might reach the one while there's still time. God, you receive all the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you need prayer today, we'll be here after the service for um, everybody else. God bless you. Have a great week.